Hey guys, it's Pastor Randy here with Made Free Church, Idaho, and Made Free Church, regular church, you know. Uh, guys, keeping uh, keeping our prayers, man. We're launching a church out here in Idaho. I moved out here, and I'm loving it. I'm loving everything about it, except for my sinuses. My sinuses are just off the heezy right now. Oh my gosh, it's, they're so bad. Anyway. Just an announcement before we get started. Guys, if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. That's madefreechurch.org. We got a whole intercessory prayer team that is uh, set up to um, you know, pray over your prayer requests every week. So go ahead and do, do that. And if you would, guys would like to uh, chat in that, uh, you're more than welcome to. If I do not see a name, it's just says Facebook user or YouTube user, um, I won't. I won't put it up on the screen, but if I do see your name, I will put it up on the screen. Um, well, let's get into this. Today, we're going to be in Romans 2, chapter 17 through 24, and this title of this message is called, And You Call Yourself a Christian, right? This is going to be a great time, so guys, buckle up, because it's going to be awesome, right? So let's get into prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, God. You're just an amazing dad, and we love you, God. And just get me out of the way and let your word go through. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, guys. So you guys got to bear with me. My sinuses are off the hook, and uh, I can't stop sneezing, and I can't stop coughing. So bear with me. Okay. Thanks, guys. So about a year ago, I was pulled over by a police officer running a red light, right? And why did, and, and you know, he, he asked, why did you do it? And I said, well, officer, I explained, I'm a pastor and I'm late for a discipleship meeting. Pastor, said the officer, you ought to know better. You know that running a red light is breaking the line. You call yourself a Christian. Ouch. Right? So... Have you ever had that happen to you? Have you ever have you know have you ever done something that had and and then had somebody challenge your Christian profession? See, in my discussions with people who profess to be Christians, I sometimes ask them why they think that God should let them into heaven. And these are some of the answers, right? Well, because I obey the Ten Commandments, because I love God, uh, because I try to do what. God tells me to do in his word because I have been to church. I've been to church all my whole life uh, because I teach Sunday school and so on. One of the dangers confronts religious people is that they rely on their performance to gain right standing with God. They think that God should accept them because of their good works. This is exactly the same issue that Paul has addressed in our text today. Now note that Paul, uh, that, you know, Paul noted that the Jews were trying to gain right standing with the gods, be, uh, with God because of their good works, right? Now let's read uh, Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 24. And it says this, you know, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship with God, if you know his will and approve what of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are guided 
for uh, you're a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor for the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have the law, uh, you have the law, the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? For it is written, God's name is blaspheming among the Gentiles because of you. Paul begins his letter with greetings and in, in a personal introduction. We see that in, in chapter 1, verses one, uh, 1 through 15. And then he started the theme for his letter, uh, which is that, which is the righteousness of God received by faith, verses 16 through 17 in chapter 1. And then the body of, of the letter begins with the discussion of sinfulness of the Gentiles. This is uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 18 to 32. One can almost see the Jews nodding their heads in agreement with Paul. Imagine the surprise of the Jews when Paul suddenly focused on their sinfulness in chapter 2, verses 1 through chapter 3 through 8. Right? Chapter 3, 8. What? We are sinners? How can that be? Surely we have God's favor. We belong to God. So our lesson today, our Bible study today, is I want you to see the danger that confronts religious people is that they rely on their performance to gain right standing with God. They think that God should accept them because of their good works. First, I want to look, I want you guys to notice the religious person's plea. Right, The religious person say, I should be accepted by God because of my good works. The Jewish people of Paul's day were very proud of their religion and their association with it. After all, they were the Jews, right? They had the law and they bragged about their relationship with God. In addition, they claimed to know God's will and approved what was superior because they were instructed in the law. They were convinced that they were the guide for the blind, a lighthouse uh, to those that were in the dark, an instructor for the foolish, and a teacher of infants. And because they had the law, the embodiment of the embodiment of uh, uh, knowledge and truth, you know that's impressive and resume, I think, right? Who could doubt that they were not rightly related to God? Obviously, the Apostle Paul did, right? He did. Ch- he, he he challenged the religious Jew and his thinking. He he he, re- he challenged the, the religious Jew and his thinking that he should be accepted by God because of his works. Paul challenges the religious person today who thinks that he or she should be accepted by God because of his or her good works. Paul refutes the religious person's plea by saying, you don't practice what you preach. And he does so asking several questions. Paul asks in uh, in Romans uh, 
chapter 2, verses 21. You who preach against stealing, do you steal? Now, so I ask you, you who preach against stealing, do you steal? Do you guys steal? Have you guys stole anything lately, right? Um, my mom's all-time favorite story about me seems to, it, it seems, it has to do with me breaking of the Eighth Commandment when I was a teenager. She loved to hear to hear me to tell the story. When I was about 14, my brother, who was four years older than I, um, and I got together with two other boys in the neighborhood who were about the same ages, right? We decided that we were going to go steal some lemons from a lemon tree in a backyard of a neighbor who lived down the street. Now, the lemon trees were in the backyard behind a very, very large wall. What made the theft tense for us is that the neighbors had a vicious, large Rottweiler who sometimes made sudden appearance in the backyard, right? And I was the one who was chosen to go over the wall and get the lemons. Now, I sold several dozen lemons and all nervously looking for the wall. Finally, we decided that we had enough lemons, so I hopped over the wall safely, much to my relief. Then we went to, around the neighborhood and sold the lemons to many neighbors as, you know, as, as the neighbors would buy the lemons, right? Eventually, I got home, and we still had about 10 or 11 lemons left. And when we arrived home, much to our shock, my dad knew about the lemons and we were like what we saw you know we saw a police car in front of the the neighbor's house which we had which where we stole the, the lemons and we were paralyzed with fear to this day i don't know how my dad found out about those lemons nevertheless my dad said that there was an unwritten rule that anyone who took what one could eat from the neighbor's tree Sorry about that. Where he or and and that's when he ordered us to eat all the lemons, right? So now I'm not sure why my mom likes the story uh, when she was alive, but perhaps it was because that I had to eat about five or six sour lemons at one sitting, or it's because I got caught stealing. Uh, but you know, I I wanted you to know that the heart of the thief that lived in me as a 14-year-old boy still lives in me today. And it lives in you too. You who preach against stealing, do you steal? See, the idea that one should not steal is, you know, generally accepted standard of human behavior. But it is just generally, but it's, it's, but it is just as generally broken. You should not think that you have kept this commandment at all just because you were, you have not forced your way to another person's home or walked off with their possessions. You steal from God when you fail to worship him as you ought. You steal from God when you set your concerns ahead of his. You steal from your employer when you don't, when you do not give the best of your work. 
of which you are capable. You steal from your employer when you uh, overextend your coffee breaks or leave work early. You steal, uh, you steal from the waste company products or use uh, company time for personal matters, right? You still, in other words, you waste time. You waste time on com uh, com you waste company products, or you, or you use company time for personal matters. You steal if you sell something more than it's worth. You steal from your employers, employees if the work environment for which you are responsible harms their health. You steal if you do not pay your employees enough and guarantee a healthy, adequate standard of living. You steal when you borrow something and you don't return it. You steal from yourself when you waste your talents, time, or treasures. Right? Now, after the, after the citing of the Eighth Commandment, Paul moves backward to the Seventh and asks, you say that you should not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? In verse 22. Now, how do you answer this question? Particularly when adultery, fornication, and various forms of sexual uh, ex uh, experimentation are not excused, right? But even encouraged and applauded in this day and age. How do you answer the question in view of the relation of sexual sin in the lives of prominent national figures, both secular and religious? How do you answer the question in views of Jesus' teaching on the seventh commandment has to do with the thoughts of your minds and the tense of your hearts and not only external actions? According to Jesus' teaching that lust is an equivalent to adultery just as hate is, a, is equivalent to murder. For he said in Matthew 5, 27 verses, uh, uh, verses 27 through 28, Have you heard it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, if anyone looks at a woman lustry, has already committed adultery in his heart. <coughs> uh, sorry, I had to take a drink. These, uh, I didn't have... I didn't have sinus problems until I moved to Idaho. <laughs> anyway, so there is hardly uh, an an area of our culture that is not that is that that is so in opposition with God's standards as this one. The media uses the lure of sex to push materialism and glamorizes the pursuit of pleasure. Television fills our homes with sex-filled advertisements. Its programs are increasingly explicit in portraying moral sexual relationship and practice. Movies are worse. I remember watching a movie about a woman whose marriage was not too great. Then came along another man who was tender and caring and sensitive and attentive. All things, all the things a wife desires from her husband. The movie producers were carefully manipulated my emotions that by the end of the movie I found myself cheering for the woman not to work out her, her marriage but rather to dump her husband and get together with the other man and I remember after the movie I was feeling tension between my mind knowing that adultery is a violation of the seventh commandment and my emotions wanting to support the violation that I had witnessed on that screen you and I struggle with this commandment all the time 
You should not think that you have kept this commandment because you have not had, because you have not had sexual relationships with a person who is not your spouse. You commit adultery when you look at another person lustfully. You commit adultery when you read pornographic material. You commit adultery when you watch pornographic material, whether it's on TV, the big screen, or on the internet. Men, pornography is increasingly persuasive, especially on the internet. Do you watch pornography? If you do, let me encourage you to talk to a mature brother or father in the faith about it. Right? Don't continue to dabble in something that will ruin your relationship with those closest and dearest to you. Third of Paul's example is ref- reference to the first and second commandments. And it's in verse 22. You, ab- you who abhor idols, do you rob temples? See, it's, it's not easy to understand this question as it's, it is to understand the first two. There are several difficulties here. So far as we know, the Jews did not rob temples. Does this mean then merely that they robbed God of honor, uh, of, of the honor properly due to him? Does it refer to the trafficking of offerings conducted in the courtyard in the temple of Jerusalem, which Jesus condemned? Does it refer to the Jews possessing, perhaps as art objects, items that, had been taken from heathen temples by the Gentile armies and later sold. Does it refer to the actual temple plunder? It's hard to say what this means, although there are arguments that favor each one of these views. What can we say regardless of the particular way ancient Jew may have broken the first and second commandments, which we may or may not understand right we we certainly understand how we've how you and i have broken them but most religious and devout even the most religious and devout among us the first commandment is a demand for exclusive and zealous worship of the true god you shall have no other gods before me in exodus 20 verse 3 to worship any God but God of the Bible, Jehovah, is to break this commandment. But you need to not you need to worship a clearly defined God to break this commandment, right? You don't have to worship Allah or Buddha or Zeus or one of the countless modern idols. You break this commandment whenever you give a person or an object or some worldly aspiration first place in your life, a place that belongs to God alone. Often today, we substitute God, lower G, your uh, small G, uh, is yourself or the image of yourself, right? You break this commandment when you are more concerned about your success than you are about God. You break this commandment when you strive for fame and recognition at the expense of putting God first in your life. You break this commandment when you work instead of worship on the Lord's day. Now I'm not talking about those who are involved in works necessarily and uh, necessity and mercy. Those works on the Lord's days are permitted, right? I'm talking about nurses and doctors. 
and cops and firefighters, you know. Um, so, now, to keep this commandment would be, as John Stott says, to see all the things from God's point of view and do nothing without reference to him. To make his will our guide and his glory our goal. To put him first in thought, word, and deed, in business and leisure, in friendship and career, and in the use of our money, time, talents, at work and at home. Now consider the second commandment. It's Exodus 20 uh, verses 3 through 6. It says, You shall not make yourself an idol of any form, uh, of anything in heaven above or uh, earth beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down and worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to thousands of generations of those who love and keep my commandments. You know, if the first commandment deals with the object of worship, forbidding, you know, the worship of any false god, right? That's a, that's a small g, God, right? The second commandment deals with the manner of your worship, forbidding the worship of the one true God unworthily, right? This means that you should take utmost care to discover what God is truly like and thus increasingly worship him as only great, transcendent spiritual uh, uh, God that he is right but you and I don't do this right instead as Paul argued at the beginning of the discussion you suppress the knowledge of God and find that your foolish hearts are darkened in Romans 1 18 and verse 21 see when Paul comes to the end of this paragraph which describes the true state of the orthodox or religious person. He quotes the Old Testament and show and, and uh, to show what God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, right? Verses two twenty four. You can see that in actually Isaiah fifty two five and Ezekiel thirty thirty six twenty two. This is always the case when uh, devout people violate the very standards they proclaim. It's a terrible thing. It really, really, really is. But there's something even more terrible. And that is that this description of you, that you should continue down the wrong path, that suppose that you are not in best standings with God just because you're religious when you actually are. Like the pagans around you, you on a shift journey to destruction. Commentator William Barclay begins his discussion uh, of these verses with these words. To a Jew, a passage like this must have come as a shattering experience. And he's right, of course, right? But it's but it is not only the Jew that the passage like this or should be shattering. It should be shattering to you and me. If we, fight, 
if we excuse me if we find ourselves thinking that our cases are somehow different than other people's just because of our religious religious commitments right so if you have been trusting in your obedience to the law of God, if you've been trusting in your baptism, if you've been trusting in your confirmation, if you've been trusting in your attendance of worship, if you've been um, trusting in your church membership, if you've been trusting in your knowledge of the Bible, if you've been trusting in your understanding of doctrine, even reform doctrine, if you have been trusting in your, in, 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 in your generous stewardship, if you have been trusting in your Christian upbringing, if you've been trusting anything other than Jesus Christ and his death upon the cross in your place, throw whatever it is you're trusting out completely of your mind. Abandon it, stamp it out, get rid of it, and throw it out. Only Jesus perfectly obeyed the law of God. You can never do it perfectly. But if you trust in Christ alone, right in the only one who has fully obeyed God's law right you will find acceptance with God so turn to Jesus alone amen and trust him only you know um, it's important that we do that guys it's important that we we trust God and we trust you know Jesus Christ because he is the only way only way so all right, well, that's the end of the Bible study today. Hope you guys are liking our trip. Sorry, I'm monotone and my I'm, my sinuses are really bad today, and so I apologize. Um, guys, if you guys would like to uh, support Made Free Church uh, and Made Free Church Idaho, please go and give. We uh, we do have an overhead, and we can use your giving. And we are a 501c3. You can give through our cash app. You can give through our PayPal link or you can give to the check or money order to the addresses provided. But please give and leave your email addresses so we can give you a tax deductible receipt so you can take that off of your uh, your taxes at the end of the year. Also, guys, uh, go check out our per my personal website at reformpastor.me. That's reformpastor.me. You can check out me and what I like. But also... We got Made Free Church and myself. We have podcasts all over the podcasting platform. So, guys, go. Also, guys, we're seeking pastors, evangelists, ministers, preachers for our new website called Preach Core. We want to blow this up and get the word of God out there. So, we're looking for people that preach online so we can host your videos and stuff like that. So, go check it out. Okay. And guys, thank you for watching. God bless you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity, God. We love you. We worship you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace in the love of Christ. God bless you guys. You guys have a great, great day.